Hello, podcast listeners. This is Daniel DS Cubed Friedlander, and this is a Nintendo podcast, or Lithcast, episode number 53 for Sunday, November 29th, 2009. Hello, LithCast listeners. As previously stated, this is Daniel Friedlander, and this is LithCast, episode number 53. It is so good to be with all of you. I know it hasn't actually been as long as it's been in the past, and so I love speaking with you as frequently as possible. And here we are at episode number 53, and I have the honor and privilege to speak with all of you once more. It has been quite an interesting... um, um, few weeks since the last podcast and actually it's going to get even more interesting which is kind of neat um, over the next few weeks especially as the legend of zelda spirit tracks comes out i become a little less busy and able to play some of my uh backlogged games and um and just as the holiday season approaches of course uh, last friday uh, two days ago was black friday so no doubt there were some amazing gaming deals i was in the market for a playstation 3 myself um Mostly because I sort of want to, it would be nice to have a Blu-ray player and, you know, I would, especially for the folding team. And I don't know if I've mentioned the folding team in a while, but I'll just mention it here. Uh, you can go to folding.stanford.edu, Stanford like the, uh, like the college. And what they have is this, um, this project called Folding at Home. And Folding at Home is all about um, distributed computing. What they've said is instead of us trying to amass um, a huge supercomputer and trying to piece it together and write special special code for it and and then have it um do work for us on our dot on our dollar um instead what we're going to do is we're going to offer up a downloadable piece of software that's very small it runs uh as either with a G, with a gui it's a text client or a screensaver client on Mac, Windows, Linux, and now even PS3. And in fact, the PS3 client is particularly efficient. Now you might be asking, well, what is it particularly efficient at doing? What the client does is it is given a what's called a work unit, where Stanford has parsed out various um, calculations that need to be done to observe and model protein folding. Now protein folding is, well, basically a way that proteins change their structure and it is essential in certain diseases like mad cow and uh, alzheimer's i mean they're very crucial uh, 
protein folding and understanding the way protein folding works is crucial to understanding these diseases. So Stanford allows you, and they just say, hey, you're doing a good thing for people and you can donate your computer's idle time. It's time your, it's idle cycles of your computer's processor that you wouldn't be using otherwise. And so Stanford says, okay, well, donate it to us. And so they've amassed this huge, huge number of personal computers that do work, what are called work units for them. Now, you can have teams, and LiftCast has, I think, gosh, it must be, uh, it's, I don't know how many years it's been, but LiftCast has had a team for a long, long time. In fact, I think I even had um, this team before LiftCast even existed, um, back when I was a member of Nintendo's Insider Forums. Uh, and it's I just called it the Nintendo Folding Team. Stanford's not very uh, lenient about changing the name of your team. I can't change it to LithCast or anything. But basically, if you want to... You know, join our team because, of course, uh, if you can, you want to. Normally, when you donate your work units, they just kind of go into the the big, the big pile. But if you want to donate your work units in the name of Lithcast, the name of Nintendo in general, uh, when you're when prompted, please do put in the, the uh, team number four five five zero one. But anyway, that was sort of a tangent talking about the PlayStation Three. I was in the market for one, um, and it's Black Friday, so um, there was an amazing deal. It was something like PS Three plus two games and a was a $10 gift card at Amazon or at Walmart and I I, I missed out on it it was just it was sold out before I could but it was for the, it was for 2.99 so the price you pay for a PS3 slim anyway um but oh well it's not no big loss um you know I'm very happy with my Xbox 360 in fact I was playing Assassin's Creed 2 and beat it I think that's the fastest I ever beat a game of any kind I love Assassin's Creed if you don't know and Assassin's Creed 2 was an amazing game as well and um, I would review it, but the thing is, it's not a um, Nintendo game. So I may draw on it a bit when I'm referencing things, um, but I'm not going to get into any great amount of detail. And of course, there's a lot of the game I haven't experienced. I've already played through the entire story mode, but now they have these you play and you know a few other things. But um, So I haven't done every little thing in the game, but I've finished the main story mode. And like I said, probably I finished that faster than I've ever finished anything in a game before. So I'm very proud of myself for that. So anyway, like I said, when prompted on the Stanford um, Folding at Home client, just type in team number 45501 to donate your idle time in the name of the LithCast Folding team. Now, particularly, if you are someone who owns a PlayStation 3, we would love to have you donating your PlayStation 3 work units. Um, The PlayStation 3, one of its features, I'm not sure if you have to download this, I would know if I had a PS3, is that you can fold proteins. Now, the PS3's cell processor, what do they call it? The, um, uh, what's the name of, no, no sorry, R- RSX, I think that's the name of the graphics processor. The cell processor is the G- is the CPU. And the cell processor has been, is particularly well-suited to um, folding proteins, apparently, or it's just that Stanford just really optimized the client for, for these processors. And, of course, Sony is subsidizing these consoles so much. I mean, I heard a story, I read it on the Internet the other day, about Sony, um, or about the what the department? No, no, the U.S. Air Force is purchasing something like twenty one hundred PS threes and just daisy chaining them because they're just such heavily subsidized uh, servers. I mean, they're like super com- some super computers. These things. So anyway, right now, the Lithcast folding team has folded nine hundred and nine work units. I am in first place, which I'm very proud of because we had for a while a listener who has not donated work units in a while named Riss Xanthus. He's an Australian guy. He must have had, must have overclocked his computer. Um, 
but he was really the team leader for a while, and now I have surpassed him by more than 50 work units, and I'm very proud to account for 20% of the work units on our team. But I'm actually also not proud because I want you guys to account for more, especially if you have a PS3. If you guys have a PS3, I feel like you can really just just smoke the rest of us. So I am, of course, looking to get a PlayStation 3 myself, um, really so I can join the folding team. And... Um, when you know with my ps3 and then i'm gonna absolutely smoke all of you guys if even if any of you guys like even if you try you won't be able to beat my folding so that's kind of one of the interesting things we do so i missed out on that black friday deal of course there were also nintendo black friday deals it doesn't make much sense to tell you about them now tomorrow however is cyber monday so i would encourage you that if you manage to hear this podcast before uh, monday that you do um that you are on the lookout there are websites that are great for this um um, cheap assgamer.com is a great one. Uh, slickdeals.net is great. And, you know, Woot, a website that I've always followed, has recently has a new deals. It's sort of like a dig.com, but for deals called uh, deals.woot.com. Also kind of a nice place to, to check out. Though I think deals.woot.com is a little bit slow on the uptake. My guess is if you have seen the deal there, you pro- it's probably already well established and it's existed for a while. So anyway, Black Friday is a interesting phenomenon and so of course that kicks off the holiday shopping season which means we're going to be seeing some great games before i talk about the great games that we're going to be seeing i have to sort of do the uh, traditional uh lift formula here where uh, first i will tell you about the song you heard at the beginning of this podcast and then we will talk about lift stuff and then we'll get into the really good stuff the stuff you care about the nintendo stuff so first off um the song you just heard was the final boss theme from Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Now, I'm going to be talking about this game a little bit later, and I haven't played much of it, because what I have to talk about doesn't actually have to do with the game itself. I played it a little bit, but I'm only on... I just got the hammer. I really haven't had a lot of time to play that game. Assassin's Creed 2 has taken up all my gaming time. Um, But I have played um, Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story a little bit. But like I say, what I'm going to talk about has nothing to do with the game. Because believe it or not, in my trying to acquire the game, I had a few little issues. And so I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit later. That's a little teaser. And I will speak about it in more detail coming up. So, um, next, I also wanted to talk about what's going on at Lithcast. Oh, sorry, but that song is the final final boss theme from that game. So that game has been released. You can now purchase it along with New Super Mario Brothers Wii, which is probably the more highly anticipated Nintendo game, and that's out for the Nintendo Wii. Uh, I have not played that at all, although I'm very excited to play it, although I am very busy, and I've just told myself that once I finish this particular task, it's a, lo- it's a very big task, once I finish it, I will allow myself to play New Super Mario Brothers Wii. So I'm using it as a motivation. Um, and as you can see, my my doing the podcast here is a way of procrastinating. But of course, I consider this work. No, I don't. I consider this. I consider this lots and lots of fun. Um, I love I love talking with all with all of you guys, especially because you you guys have the ability and you are able to respond to me as I speak with you. So um, we'll talk a little about that later. Um, so now what's up with lithcast.com? Of course you can always go to lithcast.com. It's open 24/7 lithcast.com l i t h c a s t.com. Um we've got the forums. I of course have a very nice graphic that I photoshopped myself. 
uh, asking you to follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash dscubed. I would like some followers. Um, I don't post that much on Twitter, I'll be honest, so you're not going to get a lot of annoying updates from me unless, of course, you like annoying updates. Um, mostly, um, I don't know. I, I admit I don't update that often. I'm not really addicted to Twitter. I I must say my opinion of Twitter has improved. Um, one thing that has always gotten me, and I always have to explain this, I feel like this is such an obvious thing, I think what's money that's really interesting, um, and I will just comment on this quickly uh, as a phenomenon, is that it's amazing to me like the way that the, I want to blame the media, but the way the media can sort of taint an image of something. For example, Twitter. Um, the major media has, I think, made Twitter out to be something where it's like, oh, I'm on the toilet right now. Follow me. Oh, I'm, le- I'm washing my hands right now. Oh, I am brushing the upper left side of my mouth right now. And... You know, that's really not what Twitter is. My guess is there are some people that do that. But the most followed people are people who post opinions, people who, um, and I have to explain this. I mean, people don't, this to me seems like such obvious, um, such an obvious marketing thing. Maybe it's just people don't register the, um, or acknowledge the potential that exists within Twitter. But I have to explain to people, well, you know, for example, Costco will have a daily deal on Twitter or, you know, Woot has Twitter or Go Nintendo has top stories on Twitter. And it's just the idea that you're aggregating all of these things in a form. I mean, it's sort of like RSS in a way. You're putting all these things into a format that's very short, very quick. You can very quick. You can read it on the fly um, and you're just aggregating them into one place and it also allows you to con- comment on all these things in a unified way. I mean, for example, um, let's just say, for example, I have, um, oh, what's a good example of this? Okay, well, let's just say we have something like, like GoNintendo.com. You know, Kevin Cassidy, he's a great guy, and his website, GoNintendo.com, is also terrific. Um, and then you also have a website like, well, let's use Costco's Daily Deals. Well, if you wanted to make a comment about like Costco's daily deals, you know, you just say, you know, at Costco or whatever, whatever their screen name or their handle is, and then you just put in your comment. And by this, and you do the exact same thing for like re- replying to a Go Nintendo story. And of course, then you can also add hashtags, you know, the pound symbol to, um, you know, create, put it to file it away in a certain topic. So you can like see all the con- conversations that are going across um, about these. You can see a lot of opinions aggregated. I mean, what do you realize how annoying it would have to be? You'd have it would be to go to a bunch of websites just to look and you know search specifically for comments on a certain story. I feel like Twitter aggregates aggregates things very nicely, and um, I think there's a lot of potential, particularly like in marketing with Twitter. I mean, what if um, you know someone like Scott Bourne is a great example. He's he's the uh, webmaster or the uh, yeah the main blogger over at PhotoFocus.com. And he does all these really cool giveaways. And, you know, you can either follow his blog or you can just sign up for his, for to get his tweets. And, um, you know, you, you can find out about all this. And, of course, um, let's say there's a lot of marketing in Twitter as well. I mean, there's all this whole, this whole business of retweeting things. But anyway, the, the moral of the story is that um, follow me on Twitter. Um, and also... Be mindful that Twitter is, especially for those of you who don't understand it, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I don't think it's, I mean, I don't have a lot of followers. It's not like 
if I wanted to get some sort of message out, I would my first resort would be to use the podcast or to use the Hylia.com because those are just the most things that most people read or listen to um, when it comes to me. So they're not my preferred mediums. I mean, I even, I don't even like reading tweets that much. I hate the restriction, but I understand why it's there on the length that any one thing can be. Um, Still, it is not what you have probably been told that it is, which is that it's just a, a, it's just a stream of updates where you say, Oh, I am eating a turkey sandwich with some kind of mayonnaise like substance on the top of it. And, um, and oh, it's got a toothpick in it. I almost ate the toothpick. I mean, you know, it's not that. So anyway, um, that's Lithcast as far as Twitter. Um, of course I also have this one thing, which I just have to play again cause I love it. I, I can't get enough of this video clip because I, I can't believe it happened. Um, here it is. And go. Hello, it's a me, Mario. Woohoo! Welcome to my favorite website, leafcast.com. Woohoo! So, the moral of the story is that that was the voice of Mario, Charles Martinet, saying how awesome leafcast.com is. And if he thinks it's awesome, if it's his favorite, if it's Mario's favorite website, it at least behooves you to at least type it into your browser and check it out. And even if, it, and even if everything on the website isn't that cool, you could at least replay this Mario clip because it's up there. And then, um, anyway, that's that's sort of what's been happening at Lithcast. Um, there really isn't much on the main website, but I'll tell you one thing that's really great about Lithcast.com. One thing that no that I've that we've got over at, you know, it's our trump card, so to speak, and it's. The Lithcast forums. The Lithcast forums, lithcast.com slash forums, is one of the greatest communities of gamers, uh, I think, on the web. It admittedly isn't the largest forum. It's not NeoGAF. But, you know, for an online community, for a website, that's it's funny because you look at the website and you think, boy, this website's not really doing much. But then you look at the forums, you're like, boy, the forums are jumping. Because it's funny, you look at a website like GoNintendo.com. Like I say, I love Raw Meat Cowboy. He's a great guy. But you look at his message boards, and they've got like fewer posts than Lithcast does. And I'm thinking, how is this even possible? His website's got to be one of the top 10,000 most popular websites on Earth. Um, and it's true, It's just because, but it's just that I don't think the community has developed as much around his, um, his, um, his message boards. That's just how it is. Of course, you know his IRC chat is much more popular, and that's fine. And of course, um, I think now they've integrated their comments with the, with the, um, what do you call it, with the forums. It's possible that they may have more postings than before. Let's see how many postings they have. Okay, so we're still beating them on posts. That's cool. They have may have more members, but we have, I guess, more active members. Regardless, it's not about whether you, it's not about who has the most posts. Because frankly, you're not you can't read all um, seventy four thousand four hundred and twenty six posts of Lithcast, and you probably can't read all sixty six thousand some posts that go Nintendo. The point is that you have a community here at Lithcast, which is very warm and uh, inviting, and um, particularly if you have good grammar. Because I would have to just say that um, we like people with good grammar. I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because it's easier to read the posts. I 
Um, but certainly good grammar is a must at lithcast.com. We sort of pride ourselves on being a, um, you know, anybody can join lithcast, but you are held to a high standard if you are a member at lithcast. And some people are not, that's not, that doesn't jive with them. And that's fine. You don't have to join if that's not your cup of tea and you don't have to post. Um, but of course we just ask that you keep it civil, no swearing, none, no, um, well, keep it PG, basically. We, I want, I really want this to be a, a community that someone, any parent, would look at and say, you know, I feel fine letting my kids go on liftcast.com slash forums. It's, it's, it's sort of the antithesis of 4chan. Um, so, uh, liftcast listeners, um, it is pretty much. That's what I have to say about Lithcast. Of course, you can also go to thehylia.com, T-H-E-H-Y-L-I-A.com. We are going to be doing our visual guides for The Legend of Zelda. Yes, I can say it officially here on Lithcast. I haven't even said this officially on The Hylia yet. But, um, you know, The Hylia has had a tradition uh, since before I was the guy in charge of writing the Zelda stuff. Mike Damiani, TSA, you might know him as, uh, has always done visual guides. And he told me, you know, uh, you know, Daniel, you don't have to do the visual guides. It's something we've always done. And the Hylia has visual guides, I, I guess, maybe not for the CDI games, but pretty much every Zelda game ever made. And, you know, it's a complete playthrough. You have it in, you can download it in multiple formats. And it's really well done. Now, of course, the, the problem here is that I, unlike Mike TSA Damiani, am not a speedrunner god and do not have the world record time in The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and many other Zelda games. And therefore, having me do the game is a little bit is a little bit uh, stupid. But of course, TSA can't do it for legal reasons. At any rate, um, so I will be trying to do this visual guide. Now, we've been trying to get a copy in advance uh, from Nintendo. It's always, it's always kind of up in the air. As well. One thing I've learned over the years is that uh, it doesn't really matter what you think um, you may or may not receive that FedEx package. But Nintendo is supposed to be shipping out uh, advanced copies of Phantom Hour... I mean, sorry, Spirit Tracks. Did I say Phantom Hourglass? I meant to say The Legend of Zelda uh, Spirit Tracks. They are going to be shipping out copies tomorrow. And hopefully, with any luck, a FedEx package will be at my door with this game. Because if it's not, they're going to be hearing it from me. Um, as any of you who are, have websites or podcasts who, or people who have to deal with uh, Golan Harris, Nintendo's PR firm, know it's very difficult to, to deal with them. And, um, you know, I won't say anymore. I do have, I do have a lot I can say about that, but, uh, before I go and, you know, use my podcast as a forum for this, I'm just going to take it up with them first. We'll we'll see how it goes. I just think that uh, there's really no doubting that the Hylia should be able to get a copy. I mean, it's not like you know let's just throw aside let's just throw away the Hylia being a popular website. And let's just look at E3 2007. Mike Damiani was the guy at E3 2007 who did the world premiere demo of the Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, the pre- the the prequel to Spirit Tracks. If he, I think, was important enough to get the game uh, to do the world premiere demo for it in front of you know however many thousands of people at E3, or maybe it was in the hundreds because it was 07, it was a little smaller. Um, 
if he was able to do that, I feel like we should be able to get a copy a little earlier. And really, ten days is not a lot of um, is not a lot of an advance. And so I'm gonna have to try to do a visual guide, and I don't know how it's gonna work, but uh, somehow I'm going to be doing this. I have the I got I got all the stuff I think I need to do it. Um, I have made the graphics for the Hylia to promote it, and we will be doing a visual guide, which is a complete visual walkthrough of Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. All right, so I'm kind of sick of talking about myself and the stuff I'm involved in because it's already been 25 minutes of the podcast, so I'm a little bit sick of, you know, talking about it. When we could be talking about Nintendo, I don't know what in the world is wrong with me. So, um, as far as Nintendo stories go, I'm going to be honest with you. Normally I have show notes of things I want to talk about. Um, but today I am completely faking it. Um, and that's fine because I have stuff I want to say. So first off, if if you haven't already known, if you don't already know this, um, there have been commercials released for the legend of Zelda spirit tracks. Um, we have pretty much the release dates for every single region um, available right now at, and, um, so in the United States, it's coming out first or in the Americas is coming out first. Uh, it will be December 7th, 2009. The, in Europe, it'll be December 11th, 2009. Japan will be actually last who knew December 23rd, 2009 and Australia will be released on December 10th, 2009. So, um, that is how it's going to be so we have all the release dates now we have several um we have several spoilers and of course you can go to the hylia.com for that i don't want to force spoilers on you if if um you haven't heard them but of course there's also trailers available at the hylia whoops um so just take a look at those um also um as again there's actually another game that i haven't talked about that there was a trailer released for and i I'm not going to play the trailer, but um, I just thought it was, I mean, it's a game that I'm sort of excited for. It's called uh, Okami Den, and it is, it's like in that sort of, um, it's sort of that series with Okami, you know, uh, PS2 game came out for the Wii, didn't sell well really on either platform. And, um, so Okami Den is something I'm also, I'm also quite excited for, but of course, um, there's still, uh, there's still hope for the, the, um, the series. I think of course the DS is a, is a very, very well, very, um, highly selling uh, platform to develop for the game is cell shaded. So it sort of lends itself to DS, uh, graphical processing and um so i think it'll be you know i think it'll be pretty good and of course but we have to also remember that the ps2 was also a pretty pretty good selling system and it didn't seem to didn't seem to help very much when it came to um the sales of ok- of okami De- of okami the first one so next we've got well Let's be honest, there really isn't all that much to say about video game news, or at least Nintendo news, uh, for now, because there just hasn't been very much that's been happening this month. Um, 
However, I did want to talk. I mean, I shouldn't say there hasn't been much that's happening, but it's instead of seeing news about new games, we're simply just seeing, um, well, the games are just coming out now. Although actually, I think, uh, who was it? Was it Eiji Onuma was saying that that um, we're going to see a, a surprise for the Zelda Wii game at uh, E3 2010. But you sort of figure that we have to see that because what's the, the game's supposed to come out? Ooh, I thought, is it supposed to be out 2010? You think I would know this, but I, to be honest, for some reason, I'm drawing a blank on it now. But anyway, I did want to talk about something um, in particular. And, um, you know, the reason mainly I wanted to talk about this was because it happened to me out of personal, this just was a personal experience. And I think this is probably a good thing to, um, discuss, uh, in general, since we are all avid game enthusiasts here. And it's the idea of when you go to purchase a game, how do you go about doing it? Or basically I'll just be more specific. What do you do about when about pirated games or anyway so i will just preface it this way with i'll just tell you the story i was in the market for the newest uh, mario and luigi game the um, mario and luigi bowser's inside story so i was in the market for it and i thought oh well i could save a few dollars i go on ebay and so i did and i found the game for i think 24 dollars um and then, well, actually, sorry. That, but what ended up happening was that I paid for the game. I won the auction. Nothing happened. I didn't get. I didn't get. Um, uh, actually, no way. Did I pay for the game? Yes, I, I did pay for the game, and nothing happened. The seller never sent it to me. It was a, a good amount of time passed. So then, apparently, eBay told me that the seller's account had been hacked into, um, which is fine, and I eventually got my money back from eBay, but. Then I went to buy the game again, and this time I got it. I saw it for $29, and I won an auction for, for it for $29. The person had pretty darn good feedback, too. Um, and so I looked at it, and I got the game very fast shipping after I won it. And I thought, $29, you know, it's not like it's not like the uh, the saying is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Because $29 is, two, two, what, $2, $3 less than it retails for, so big deal. I got the game. And I see that it's in kind of a, it's, I mean, it looks like the game, but it looks like it's in a white box. And I think, well, that's funny. Because I remember hearing that uh, DSi-only games will be featured in white boxes and will have white cartridges. Uh, so I thought, well, it's not that out of place if the the game is in a white box, right? So I open up the game. And this thing was actually shrink-wrapped. I bought this game supposedly new. And this thing was even shrink-wrapped. So I opened it up, and I... Um, find that I, I put it in my DSi. I mean, I'm starting to think this thing is fake because there also was no registration for Club Nintendo. For those of you who don't know, Club Nintendo is Nintendo's um, reward system where you can register your games and consoles and get points. In fact, I am now a gold member for this year, and I had gold member. Um, and um, I have to get up to platinum, which I will most certainly get to. At any rate, uh, the point with being, uh, I started to think this game was pirated, and I put it into my uh, DSi because I had heard that you know certain games that are pirated will only work on the DS Lite, and it sure enough it only worked on my DS Lite. It didn't work on my DSi, so there's been an issue. 
the game also looked like the manual had this, the Nintendo logo was sort of badly printed. So anyway, I wanted just to talk about piracy, and I've, I've sort of given away a part of it, but I want to talk about uh, three things. First is how you can spot piracy, particularly on eBay. Bef- and, I'm, and, I'm, and you probably weren't expecting a lecture from DSQ, but this is kind of an interesting uh, scenario, and I thought I did a little bit of research on it, and I, I guess this is one thing that I think is very important. And um, first, I guess I'll just talk about, I'll do this in four parts. First, like, what is pirate? What, what are pirated games, and why do you or don't you want them? Uh, the second thing is, how do you spot a pirated game before you buy it? Uh, the third thing is, if you do buy it and you still, let's say, let's say those tricks don't work, you can't figure it out before you buy it, then after you buy it and you re- it arrives in the mail, how do you detect it? And then fourth of all, and this I think is one thing that is was not very well addressed um, where when I did my research, is what do you do about it? So I want to talk about all those things. So first off, I just want to talk about what is a pirated game. And a pirated game basically is a is this it you know games are all software and so what basically when someone sells a packaged pirated game what they've done is they have taken probably from an original copy uh the information required to make the game and put it onto a onto a cart a cartridge and then sold it to you put a label on it uh, shrink wrapped it put a very put a poorly printed manual in it and they sell it they sell it. But the thing is, the video game creator doesn't get any of the revenue, which I think is really deplorable. Is why, To be honest, that's really one of, the, one of the worst things because I could have kept this pirated copy of the game. Mind you, I could have had a pirated copy simply by pirating the game myself. So, which I... Um, but anyway, uh, so... And then secondly... Uh, what, sorry, what really bothers me about pirated games is that... The, re- the creator of the game, the person that put all this work into it, doesn't get any money. And, you know, it's one thing to steal the game and then put it, or, like, if you don't own the game, to have an emulator for it. I mean, I think that's one thing. But I think the fact that you're paying someone else to steal revenue, because obviously if you're willing to pay for the game, it's revenue that should go to the creator of the game. But it doesn't. It just gets pirated. And therefore, some jerk who is just rewarded for something that isn't that is pretty amoral. So that's the first sort of thing. Like what is piracy? That's in a nutshell it's what it is. They've simply stolen the game and reproduced it and they're going to sell it. Um in this context that's what it means. So now I want to talk about how do you go about spotting these games before you buy them now if you're lucky enough to be able to see the game in person of course you can kind of skip right to step two but if you are or start step three the next thing i'm going to talk about next however if you don't have the ability to hold the game in your hands and i think a lot of the time you won't because well let's be honest um this listing that this particular seller sold uh this particular seller that i dealt with uh obviously was trying to deceive people and judging by this guy's feedback He's done a very good job. I'm, I'm not. I don't. You know, he sold a lot of games. He's very fast shipping. My guess is that he's not just recently turned the to the over to the dark side. But anyway, there are a few little dead giveaways. Of course, if they put pictures of the game, it just doesn't look right. Um, there's that. Of course, if you have, uh, if you, if you don't have it, if it doesn't, um, if you see like a. Um, if you see that the 
listing. I think to me this is the biggest giveaway because this is the only way that this was sort of given away. It says, if it says something like for DS and DS Lite only and doesn't include DSi, um, then you know then that that is a pirated game pretty much instantly because the DSi has new anti-piracy measures that Nintendo has implemented into it that are not existent on the DS or the, the, or the DS Lite. And because all DS and DS Lite games, I mean, they're this one. They're one and the same. They're backwards compatible with DSi games. There is no DS game that the DSi cannot play, um, because Nintendo has removed zero functionality from the well, pretty much zero functionality from the DSi. Now, that's in my case, that was the only giveaway. Of course, if someone says something like, um, if they just say outright that it's pirated, then see, you have to understand they can't, at least in the case of eBay, say it's pirated outright because eBay, you know, is just outright opposed to piracy. And in fact, um, they, if they did, I mean, you could just report, you know, you just report them anyway without even having to buy the game. So I think that's really the main one. I mean, there really isn't a lot you can do unless, of course, you see pictures of it and you just, it just looks funny. Um, but that's one sort of dead giveaway is that they say it only works on the DSi. Now it may be the case that in the future we'll have cartridges that will work on the DSi that are pirated and it. They probably exist now. Maybe this guy just didn't want to put in the effort, but that is just a dead giveaway. That's, and it's a very quick dead giveaway. Also, if you want to always there's as an eBay seller myself, I have no problem when members ask me questions so if you really are a little apprehensive about buying a game, go ahead and ask them, hey, you know, I mean, this, I see this game is new. Um, you know, is it is it really brand new? Does it have the, does it have the Nintendo, um, Club Nintendo registration card in it? And uh, see what they say. Um, so anyway, that's, that's, that's all fine and dandy. But what's more interesting is once you get the game, because that's really where you get to see, you get to really, you know, get your hands on the game and determine if it's really a, a real cartridge. So when I got my game, there were a few things. And of course there might be more with, um, with other fake cartridges. Sometimes I've seen, well, let me just start this with this. The box is one thing. Uh, this particular box was a very good fake. It even had Nintendo DS etched into the plastic. It even had the DS logo. So it was a very convincing fake. But of course I thought, well, this game shouldn't be in a white box because there's no way this needs to be DSI only and um, didn't say DSi only anywhere else on it, so I figured, okay, there's no reason for it to be in a white box. The box was also about twice as thick as a usual DS box. Um, so that was also another giveaway. Another giveaway is that uh, you'll notice sometimes that maybe the cover or manual is poorly printed on the game. Um, I've never really seen very many misprinted Nintendo manuals, and so I would, I would bet that if you see a misprinted manual, it's not usually a very good sign. Also, on the back of the manual, it didn't have the content information for Nintendo, um, which is on all the manuals I seem to have. There also was um, no like little notes section. My guess is probably to save on paper. Um, and then the, there are a few other things as well that you can look out for. Once you have the cartridge in your hands, you can hold the cartridge um, sort of flat in front of you, hold up to a light source, and you may notice that the cartridge sort of curves a little bit. And it's difficult to really describe this. But if the cartridge sort of curves, as opposed to be kind of a straight, flat, you know, box, um, it's possible that's also another giveaway 
of a pirated game because the components of the cartridge were kind of jammed together and there wasn't an automated and very efficient process that Nintendo uses or that whoever and people that press real cartridges use. So sometimes it looks like the components are just kind of jammed in there. So that's another giveaway. And that was also slight it was not it's not even a very noticeable thing. It was a very slight arc, but it is enough when you compare it to another uh game. And then there's also another thing you can look at, which is the um of course the playability. You stick it in the Nintendo DSI and if it doesn't work, uh, that's kind of a problem. And if it works on the DS Lite, if you happen to have both, that's also, you know, kind of a problem. Uh, finally, and this is probably one of the biggest giveaways, if you buy a game brand new and you see that it's shrink-wrapped and it doesn't have the, Ninten- the Club Nintendo registration thing, that's also a dead giveaway that it's either not new, which means, which means they repackaged it, or it's a pirated game. Of course, there is a third possibility, which is why you can't jump to conclusions based on this, is that um, the game is just not made by Nintendo. Um, certainly, Scribble Knots, brand new, bought it off Amazon, didn't have a Club Nintendo registration form in it, doesn't mean Amazon scammed me or sold me a pirated game. All it means is that the game's not made by Nintendo, and so um, there you go. So there's, those are a few dead giveaways. You have to really just use common sense, though. Everything will present a little differently. You might also notice that uh, on the back of a... Um... One moment. Uh, okay, sorry. Yes, I just had to go and get a DS cartridge to check this. But sometimes you'll notice that on the back of DS cartridges uh, that are pirated, it will have like a little Phillips screw there that was intended to be used by the person pirating the game uh, to reseal the cartridge. Nintendo games, you just look at one of your own DS cartridges and you'll notice there really isn't a, there's no, you know, there's no screw there. It just kind of snaps together and um, that's, that's how it is. So that's another sort of dead giveaway of a pirated game. So now that you have your, uh, figure, now that you figured out that you have a pirated game, what do you do? Um, what recourse do you have? What can you do about either getting your money back or, at the very least, maybe just, I don't know, exacting revenge? Well, I'm about to tell you. First thing you can do is, and the thing you always really, at least in the case of eBay, you really need to do is you need to contact the seller. Um, eBay will, with exceptions for of piracy, piracy really isn't a, eBay doesn't really expect you to do this for piracy. They don't expect you to grant them that um, that level of courtesy. But it's always a good idea, especially because um, you don't want to cause to cause trouble. At least I don't. Maybe you, you guys can you guys can be different than I I am. But my um, personal opinion is uh, I like to talk to the seller. And so when I got this game, Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story, and it was pirated, and I knew it was pirated, I sent the uh, seller an email uh, via eBay, and you can just go to ask the seller a question. Of course, if you paid for it, you probably will have their email address as well from PayPal. And I said to this person, um, let me see, let me just get my, let me just get my message that I sent here, because I think you'll find it, I think you will find it entertaining, actually. Um, and so this is the first step. I said, hello, I just received the game and regret to inform you that it is obviously pirated. This is evidenced by the fact that the instruction booklet is poorly printed, the box is too fat, and there is no serial number to register the game with Nintendo. Needless to say, this is illegal. If I wanted a pirated copy, I could simply download one. But the listing mentioned nothing of the sort. 
I would like to send this back to you for a full refund and be compensated for my shipping costs. I think this can be resolved without getting eBay and Nintendo involved. Although there is no policy for refunds, I believe that this, these can be considered extenuating circumstances, and I will not hesitate to report this to eBay and Nintendo. Thank you for your time. So you'll notice there's a few key points in that email that I made. The first one is that I said it's obviously pirated, and that's a good idea. And also, it's good to prove it, because sometimes they'll say, they might say, well, it's not pirated. So don't make yourself look, you want to make yourself look like you're an informed consumer. Um, of course, um, if you were listening to Lithcast, my guess is you're probably informed enough, but... I gave him a few reasons. I proved it three different ways. The structure book's poorly printed, box is too fat, no serial number to register the game with Nintendo. I could have gone on and said, well, the cartridge is also a little slightly arced, which indicates a jamming in of the components, but I figured I would just leave it at, at that. And I said, this is illegal. Um, and I said, if I wanted to pirate a copy, I could have simply downloaded one, but okay, fine, you don't have to say that. It's good to say it's illegal. I'm sure they know. And, I, and then you just say, I would like to be send this back to you and for a full refund and be compensated for my shipping costs. So I paid, what, $2 in shipping? And I, you, you, know, you tell them, I want to be compensated in shipping costs. Uh, you're not, you know, there's no reason that you should have to pay uh, for illegal activity. And I, that what you have to do is you have to make sure that, um, I said, I think this could be resolved without getting eBay and Nintendo involved. And you have to make it clear to them that you are, prepared to report this to the, these two people because both bodies will you know care about this thing ebay um i said nothing to ebay and you can either you can sort of play that however you want um because the fact is it's piracy and the guy should have should have his account canceled probably however you know, you, the guy was very quick to respond. He wrote me a letter in all cap. He wrote me a, an email in all capital letters, saying, "Yeah, I'll take it back. I'll compensate you for the shipping." Yada yada yada. Um, so you know, I, I sort of, um, you know, I sort of spared the guy. But anyway, um, you know, and it's funny because he had great feedback, and I think, um. Probably the reason for this is because people just got duped by this guy. At any rate, um, what's interesting is that you can report it with eBay and you report it to Nintendo. But, of course, getting your money back isn't going to come about by reporting the game as pirated to Nintendo. Nintendo will be interested to know. I mean, after all, you probably have this guy's shipping information, therefore his address, and the guy's name. And you also have a paper trail because you have a PayPal receipt saying that you bought it. And of course, if you have the game in your possession, you can always take pictures. So you could definitely make a case to eBay and and uh, Nintendo. And eBay, it's very easy because you just have to go to help at the upper at the top, then hit resolution center, and then just describe your case. And say, especially, it's if you've contacted the seller, if they don't get back to you, especially, then you really have a strong case. You let you know you contact them and give them three, two three days to respond. But of course, reporting I have not reported this guy to Nintendo, and I am considering it. Because the fact is, it doesn't really matter that, um, it doesn't really matter that the, that he took back the game. The fact is, it's still pirated. Um, so I'm not really sure. I initially had said, look, I'm reporting this to this, this guy to Nintendo unconditionally. I don't care if he gives me a refund, and I don't care about any of that. But I think I've sort of had a change of heart. Um, I don't know. So that's one thing you can do. Now, the other thing you can do is, let's just say... Because eBay, particularly PayPal, is known to have bad customer support. And let's say the guy doesn't give you your money back. There is still one last sort of resort 
that you can use. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what Nintendo would do, but I don't think they'll give you your money back. They'll probably say, oh, thanks for thanks for the tip, and uh, then kind of leave. But there is one last thing you can do, and this is one thing about PayPal that i got to be honest with you, I don't like, uh, in addition to their customer support, um, is that they don't allow you to select as your default payment mechanism a credit card. Now, I pay for everything using a credit card, and there's a very specific reason for it. Um, there are a few, there's, of course, a weird, few re- weird economic reasons, and also... Um, you know, but I can just tell you about the way I use a credit card. Basically, pay. I don't don't I don't accumulate charges. Don't have any late fees. Always pay on time. The first time it's due, it's you know they don't collect any interest on me, and I have my and you get airline miles. But one other thing is that it gives you, of course, a month of float on your money, and that month of float is to explain it very basically. What float is is it's like a financial thing, and float basically means that you get to you and you get to hold on to your money instead of the bank or the, um, you know, or it's just like, um, in the United States, we have capital gains tax. Um, and so a lot of times with stock, what I would do is, you know, I will sell if I am, if, if it's like late December and I'm thinking, I think I want to sell this stock. I'll wait till January 1st because then I can keep my cap, my profit and not pay capital gains tax on it for another year, especially because it just, just for inflationary reasons, it's already good because you're pay, you pay back in in dollars which are worth less. But anyway, in addition to that benefit with float, you also get the benefit of being able to consider your charge. You get you let yourself have buyer's remorse. Or in the case of a pirated game, you get to say to your credit card company, and this is you can actually do this. You say you write you you don't you subtract that charge. So in my case, it would be like a twenty nine dollar charge, and then you say. You write them. You write the credit card company a letter saying, "I'm not paying this charge because this was a pirated copy of software that I purchased. I was deceived, and I'm not going to pay for it." Now, there's a reason that this works particularly well, and you can really do, and you actually can do this. Uh, the first reason is that you have to look at this in the scheme of economic incentives. The seller has been paid, and the way PayPal works is that they charge your credit card and and then they get so they get paid and then they pay the seller from their from them they pay the seller so that paypal has been paid the seller's been paid the other person hasn't been paid is your credit card company so they have the most incentive to well make sure that this transaction either goes through or is undone and say that they get their money back from paypal and the credit card company is going to have a lot of incentive to hound these i don't know exactly how it works i'm just telling you that somehow they usually get answers out of people uh, very well. So um, <laughs> I know that sounds almost scary. So it sounds like they're going to like break off, break their kneecaps. But um, look, if you are a consumer, you have to really be aware of every single uh, defense that you have at your disposal. And I've been on eBay for you know years now and have been scammed two or three times. And, I've never had the situation where I haven't got my money back. The one situation, but I'll tell you what, what though. And the credit card thing might even work for this, but you have to be very careful. Um, you have to be in the right for all this to work. Um, if the listing says, well, okay, it's not pirated, but let's, I can't say this is a pirated game. But for example, another common thing that happens on eBay is that they'll charge you like, it'll say like, oh, 
$70 for a PlayStation 3. Well, actually, it's not $70 for a PlayStation 3. It's $70 for information on where you can get a free PS3. As in, like, someone clicked the pop-up ad and it's going to send you that link once you uh, pay them $70. And if it says that explicitly in the auction, because sometimes it does say, in you know, sometimes it will say, this, this auction is not for a PS3, but rather for information. You know, you will have a problem. Uh, I did get scammed once like that. It wasn't a, wasn't uh, that much money, but it was... It was, you know, it's more than a stupid link is worth, especially when it's like you have to complete two out of three offers. It's not like it's not even like they completed the offers for me. So anyway, it was I've been scammed before, and um, you just have to understand your um, defense mechanisms. Of course, like I said, the best way, of course, is if you can just decide before you buy the thing that this thing is pirated, and that this is not a good idea. Of course, the obvious ways are to look at the seller's feedbacks, but look at this guy had a great feedback. Another thing you can do is look at um, the listing if they have anything suspicious, like this only works on DSDSI or DSDS Lite. Go ahead and ask them and say, "Hey, is I'm, you know, I'm this is brand new. This has the Club Nintendo registration, right? Or this is this is a real copy, right?" Um, some sellers, you know, sellers won't mind. I mean, they. Yeah, that's a that's a quick yes or no answer for especially for a seller that's selling a legitimate game. That's a quick yes, and they'll be glad to have your money for just typing the word yes. Um, and then you also then once you get the game, you have to know how to identify it. You say, okay, is this game arc shaped? Is it does it have a manual in it that's poorly printed? Does it have a Club Nintendo registration? If it is a Nintendo made game, um, like for example, a Ubisoft game won't have it anyway. Um, is it? playable on my DSi as well as my DS Lite does it um is there a screw on the back of the cartridge that indicates that uh it was meant for like home use to open and close it um those are the things you have to look for and um then once you if you actually if you still buy it and you still when you wait too long and you don't realize it's pirated um uh, of course you report it to eBay uh report it to Nintendo, if you still can't, if you if they won't give you your money back for whatever reason, because PayPal just has terrible customer service, or you know the other thing is that PayPal only will insure payments up to a certain amount of money. And, you know, my guess is you won't. I don't know how much you'll spend on the on games, but PayPal will cover you. Um, PayPal covers. I forget how much it was. It's something in the thousands, but you know they won't cover as much as your credit card company. What if PayPal says, "Oh well, look, you know we're not we're not covering that." I mean, your credit your credit card company, remember, has not been paid. So I love I love the idea of paying with a credit card. Of course, the problem is that it's a danger. You have to not um, become indebted. You know, the way the system that I use works very well because I pay my credit cards on time. The first thing they're due with zero with like when there's no interest. But and I'm you know I'm using it as a defense mechanism and as a mechanism to get miles for an airline. So anyway, that's sort of my, um, that's sort of my two cents about, about that. Now, what I said to myself was that I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to report this guy unless my, my sort my stance will sort of change. I'm not going to report him unless I, um, unless I see him listing again. So I'll decide on that later. But anyway, I hope that this helped you guys at least a little bit. And hopefully you won't be scammed like I was. Um, you know, it's... I felt really dumb, especially because this is the second time I was trying to buy this game and I had a problem with it. Um, you know, thankfully, I got my money back both times. And so no harm done. Um, 
lot of lot of annoyance though. I mean, of course, your time is worth something. You could be compensated, but of course, there's the headache that you have, and then the distrust of eBay that maybe you get, and and um, so anyway, it's uh, it's interesting, but I wish it wouldn't happen. And of course, you know, people pirate games. But I'm not, I'm not saying anything about piracy. I, I mean, to be honest, I I think that the creators of these games, and I keep saying this, but the thing that bothers me more than anything about this is not getting scammed because I'm going to be honest, $29 or versus $32, not that much of a monetary difference. But what really bothers me is that I ant- I want Nintendo, the creator of the game, to realize the benefit of these, um, of these games because they produce them and they put their, they put hard work into making these. I look at even the most one of the most simple games. Now this game's a great example, Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story. I could never program a game like this. But I think that people who can deserve all the credit in the world and at the very least deserve to be compensated their full amount. Particularly because you know, these games provide so much enjoyment. And the fact is, if everyone pirated these games, there just would not be any more in the future. And I'm not saying that it's bad to have a backup copy in the form of a ROM, even if, you know, if you own the cop, if you own the game already. Now I know Nintendo's official stance on their website is it doesn't matter. Even if you own the game, that's a distortion. Uh, it's not a distortion. It's just a confliction. It's just a conflict conflict in two different laws. Um, I believe people should be able to have a backup of their game. And I believe if you bought it once you bought it, but I, at the same time, cannot condone people selling pirated games especially for the price of the regular game and where none of the benefit goes to Nintendo uh, the creators of the game the people that put their hard work into the game I mean these are people's lives I mean people have to support families themselves and I think the notion that um, people mooch off those hard working individuals like this by selling pirated games. And what really also gets me is it's the is how deceptive it is. Um, obviously, they have to be deceptive. Otherwise, they just wouldn't be allowed on eBay. Um, if pirated games were were forthcoming, or not forthcoming, were, um, were um, explicit in what they were selling, if the listings were very explicit, they would just be easily taken off and banned from eBay. But, um, you know, the... The fact is that piracy is really should not be tolerated, and I hope none of you fall for it. Which, because if you fall for it, it's it just gets worse because you're just incentivizing more people to come in and you know pirate games. Um, I don't know. At any rate, um, that's all I had to say about uh, this particular topic. In fact, I don't even know if I have that much else to say in general. But like I say, this pirated game thing is really what's been <laughs> what's been eating me recently. Um, of course, I look forward to playing um, New Super Mario Brothers to light, brighten my mood. Uh, although, actually, I'll say one thing about this pirate game thing in relation to New Super Mario Brothers Wii. I'm looking at the box for this game, and I see that this thing is re- the box is red, and I'm thinking, okay. And of course, that's the official box. I know I got I got this from Amazon, so I know it's a real copy. Um, and it also had a Club Nintendo registration in it. So if if it's not a real copy, then the guy who faked it is a really good at faking this game. But at any rate, the game's in a red box, okay? And so I'm thinking here, as I'm sitting here doing this, and I have the game 
right near me, New Super Mario, New Super Mario Brothers Wii. I'm thinking, okay, I'm staring right here at a glaring exception to my rule. I don't know why Nintendo wanted to make a red box. I have to say it does look cool, but um, you know, I, I guess. Uh, whatever anyway if it's in a, fine maybe the box is in a dead giveaway but at least the box is the right size the you know this ds box that i got was twice as thick as the regular one anyway and of course you can use all the other you can use all the other tricks that i mentioned look pi- fakes are fake games are getting better and better um so that's how it is so lithcast listeners i'm not really sure do i need to talk anything else with you um i mean i could talk about how Amazon just put up their Black Friday, I mean, sorry, their Cyber Monday deals. Um, but the fact is, by the time you listen to this, they'll, either, they'll probably be sold out and um, it probably won't be worth much. Um, oh, I guess there is, there is a game that on the um, the virtual console, or sorry, not the virtual console, the on WiiWare that I'm actually a little bit excited about just because it has the word Pokemon in it, Pokemon Rumble. Uh, but it seems like of... It's, uh, it seems like it's okay. It seems, I mean, my guess is it. I'm looking at it, and it looks like it's about... Well, actually, it's probably the best Pokemon WiiWare game, which I know isn't saying much, but uh, it is... At least it looks like the game will be worth playing. So I will, have to, I will have to download that. But, of course, I'm backlogged. Like I said, I all the free gaming time I spent um, playing Assassin's Creed 2... And not really much else. So anyway. All right, Lithcast listeners, my guess is you don't want to hear a podcast much longer than an hour anyway. Um, please remember to take a look at the forums, lithcast.com slash forums. Take a look at the folding team, folding.stanford.edu. Down, download the GUI text screensaver or PS3 client. And please, PS3 owners, I know you're out there because this is a, this is a gaming podcast after all. Do support us by entering team number 45501 when prompted. Um, also, um, let's see. Visit the Hylia, T-H-E-H-Y-L-I-A dot com. I tell you, I've, been, I've become a much better speller since I've done this podcast. Um, T-H-E-H-Y-L-I-A dot com. Uh, and... That's pretty much it. Follow me at Twitter, twitter.com slash dscube, twitter.com slash dscubed, and um, visit lithcast.com. I have I have two columns that I want to write. I actually want to write two p- bits of opinion, and I'll just tell you what they're about. Uh, the first one is about the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection. I have been saying for, it seems like two years now, that Nintendo Wi-Fi connection is absolutely... Well, when compared to its Sony and Microsoft counterparts, a dog. It's just not up to snuff when you look at it in terms of what it's up against. However, I believe that this is, it would be the single change Nintendo could make to their um, business platform. Not their business platform, their... um, their entire strategy that would systematically improve all their games. And I even have a few ideas that they could use that would actually not have been done by Microsoft and Sony. And I'm going to share those with you on lithcast.com, L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T.com. 
and then also, um, I also had something I wanted to talk about, which was the um, official Nintendo seal of quality. Of course, now it's just called the official Nintendo seal. Uh, now, the official Nintendo seal, if you've been playing Nintendo games long enough, you remember that it used to really stand for something. Of course, this is a little bit more of an antiquated argument. Um, I've heard and read articles about this subject before, but I just thought I would throw in my two cents because I have a website and why not? And then I'll talk about them most likely on the next podcast. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about that as well. But like I say, for those of you who remember, it used to really mean that you were buying a game that was of quality make and that had a lot of thought put into its development. Today, the official Nintendo seal, I guess, is basically this equivalent of licensed by Nintendo. Um, granted, there are the official Nintendo seal goes on great games as well. Most good games probably do carry the official Nintendo seal on it if they're made for Nintendo systems. Of course, don't look for the official Nintendo seal on a on a, you know Halo ODST. Um, but the probably the majority of good games contain that symbol. However, it doesn't stand for what it used to stand for, which it meant. It meant that ga- it, they, it meant that these were games that Nintendo played through and looked through and and said this game is just well made and this game is a game that players will enjoy playing and this is a game that had a lot of thought put into it it doesn't really mean that anymore so i wanted to sort of go through the idea of maybe the merits and um and this one i'm not sure i'm even going to write but the merits and maybe the and of course the detriment uh of having the seal be kind of watered down. The vast majority of gamers, I, it seems, are of the opinion that having the official Nintendo seal no longer standing for a, a certain quality of game as much as it just stands for it, well, we got this game approved by Nintendo. Most people seem to think that's a bad thing. And I agree overall. But I think there are some arguments made for the other side. Because, you know, what was the screening process like back when they had the Nintendo seal of quality? Of course, Nintendo could have internally, you, know, you bet that all the Nintendo games carried the Nintendo seal of quality, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, great game, but of course also carried the Nintendo seal of quality. So anyway, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, and as you can see, my voice is already starting to fade here. This is so annoying. I'll tell you, this is one thing about doing the podcast. I remember when I first started and I was doing it every week, the podcast, my voice, you know, you have to sort of build up the tolerance to talk for an hour, an hour and a half straight. And if you don't do it every week, at least once a week, you sort of lose it. And uh, this is why I really need to start doing the podcast a little more frequently so that my voice can hold up. But anyway, um, with cast listeners, that's basically all I wanted to speak to you about. Pretty much everything I talked about although there isn't a lot of news that I talked about. It's all in the show notes. Um, like I said, there's most of the stuff that has been revealed recently has all been about The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Oh, one other thing. DS Lite LL and DS, or sorry, DSILL XL, whatever, has been released in Japan. Um, should be out in the United States next year. We don't know when. Uh, just wanted to throw that in there. So there has been much in the way of news aside from Zelda, and I could just go through and spoil do Zelda spoilers, but I figured, you know what, maybe I'll wait on the Zelda spoilers until after we have the game out um, or after I talk about the game. And of course, you can go to thehylia.com where you can get the spoilers you know, right from there and I'm the one writing them, so if that's that's sort of like the same thing, right? Anyway, Lithcast listeners, it's been an absolute privilege speaking with all of you. Oh, one other thing. How do I forget this? 
If you have any questions for the podcast, please do not hesitate to email me at daniel at lithcast.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L at L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T dot com. And um, I will be very happy to address your question. However, there is one email question that we did get. And this comes to us from James and... um, or sorry, Jammy Boy. Uh, and Jammy Boy says, Hey, Daniel, my friends and I have been thinking about this for some time, and we were a little annoyed about it. The story starts when I... <coughs> sorry. When I first played Super Smash Bros. Melee as a casual gamer, I had heard about the popular franchise of Zelda. Since Zelda was my favorite character in the game, I decided to buy the game, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, and I found myself... I found the game extremely hard and disappointing because you could not play the full game as Zelda. Of course, no, not, of course, um, of course not, I could, I could not have completed the game. Um, wait, wait a minute. Of course, now I've completed the game and am a hardcore gamer, but I think an all Zelda game would be cool. You could transform into Sheik and battle the enemies just like Link would, but with magic. Just an idea, and because Zelda, just an idea, um, and if Zelda is so famous, why couldn't she not have her own game rather than Link have, taking the spotlight? Okay, so it's P.S. Read this on the next podcast. Well, there you go. So, um, I thought this was sort of an interesting idea, um, but it actually has been done before, sort of. Nintendo has never really done it, but Nintendo did. Um, you, I don't know if you, this is probably before you were into games because if you were a casual gamer at the time of Super Smash Brothers Melee, you probably wouldn't have known this. But there was a game called Zelda's Adventure. <laughs> for those of you who know what it is, you're probably laughing. Uh, for the Philips CDI, and Nintendo did at some point, well, back when the Philips CDI was around, license Philips or allow Philips the license to the Legend of Zelda franchise. And they made three games, two of them, Link the Faces of Evil. Uh, and Zelda The Wand of Gamelon were both fe- both featured Link as the main player. But there was a third game, uh, Zelda's Adventure, which you play as Zelda throughout the entire game. Um, now, it is kind of a weird game. If you ever, you can look on YouTube and just do a search for, you know, Zelda's Adventure and you'll find gameplay of it. And um, you'll find it's kind of a weird game. And it's considered, these three games are considered some of the worst Legend of, or probably the worst Legend of Zelda games ever. And Probably some of the biggest disappointments within a franchise of any kind. So I'm not saying that if Nintendo made a full-on Zelda game that it would turn out that way, but I would just like to point out that if you are really dying to have a game that just it's got to have Zelda as the main character, um, I guess check out Zelda's Adventure. I would have to to caution you though that you'd have to have a Philips CDI, and then so you got to buy that, and that's not cheap. And then buying actually finding these games isn't easy either. Um, you know, getting a copy of uh, Zelda's Adventure probably won't be very easy. Um, but of course it can be done on eBay, but probably for a price. Um, so that's, I hope that answers your question. Now, as far as um, my opinion about whether or not Zelda should be featured in a game, I guess I'm I'm sort of curious about it. You're kind I mean, you know, Zelda, I would say, is starting to play, I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but Zelda, I think, is playing more and more of an active role in the franchise, um, after all, you know, you have te- the character like Tetra, 
Um, and then, of course, in uh, um, let's see. And then, I mean, you, you've always sort of maybe had the the boss fight where Zelda helps you. I mean, like, for example, Twilight, Twilight Princess, where Zelda's on horseback with you and she uses the arrows of light and shoots at Ganondorf. But, um, <clears throat> well, let's just take, for example, the... Um, darn, am, I, am I really drawing a blank on this? I guess, I guess so. Well, anyway, I think... We look at this game now, Spirit Tracks, where Zelda has a more active role. She takes place... Oh, okay. Spoiler alert right here uh, for Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. So skip ahead about uh, 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. Ready? Go. So in this game, Zelda actually takes over the body of the bodies of phantoms, like the guys that used to guard the Temple of the Ocean King. And she, you use that ability of hers to... Because she's a ghost, she dies. Um, you use that ability of hers in order to um, take over the phantoms and control them and use them to help you. Okay, end of spoilers. And so I think we can see that Zelda is playing a more active role in Zelda games. But of course she hasn't featured, aside from Zelda's adventure, she hasn't really been featured as the main character. And it's funny because, yeah, you might have thought, oh, Legend of Zelda, that means she must be must be the main character. <clears throat> um and I think also it's a little bit curious because uh, Miyamoto obviously views Zelda. He's, he said he said before that he's named Zelda after Zelda Fitzgerald, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald's Fitzgerald's wife. And he said, "Why?" It's like, well, because I thought she was a powerful figure. She's a, a strong, strong woman. And it's funny because you sort of would like to think that if he's modeling a character after that image that he's going to have that person be sort of in charge in some, at some point. I don't know where it fits in in the story, though. Um, but I don't see why not, I guess. Um, of course, um, you might say that uh, we may see, you know, for example, Onuma was talking about how there's going to be a surprise at E3 2010 about Zelda, Legend of Zelda for Wii. Um, you know, even if you're not playing exclusively Zelda, we might, like I say, we've started to see a more active Zelda, I think. So maybe we'll see something like that. I don't know if, I feel like transforming into Sheik, that's probably, that's probably a little bit far gone because Sheik hasn't real, is a kind of a, you know, an Ocarina of Time exclusive. <clears throat> so I don't think you'll really be able to play as Sheik, but, um, you know, I, I'd be up for that. I think Sheik is a better, I mean, Sheik for in Super Smash Bros. Melee was my was my favorite character, so uh, it's possible. All right, Lithcast listeners, so for real this time, we are done with the podcast. It's been an honor speaking with all of you. Please check out Lithcast.com, L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T dot com. Send me an email. I, I like getting these emails because it gives me a great jumping off point to give you my opinion, which you know I love doing. Um, this has been Daniel DSQ Friedlander. And remember, you can send me an email at Daniel at Lithcast.com. All right, Lithcast listeners, please, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving if you were in the United States, and I hope you have good uh, luck shopping on Cyber Monday, and I hope you have a very good good holidays. And um, so this is DS Cubed signing off for Lithcast episode 53. I will see you at the next Lithcast.